Dozens of tri-state churches are canceling services over coronavirus fears, including one. For the first time in America's history, the country's Christians will not be able to celebrate it with one another, even if they want to. Places of worship across the area are also canceling services amid this outbreak on this Sunday. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message.
months have been pretty difficult, right? And I just, uh, you know, being around in student ministry for a while, you spend a lot of time with students, you see them work hard, you see them go through trials, um, different temptations over the years, but then you think about going to school for 18 years, and then at the end when it's time to be recognized and celebrated, not that we all need to be celebrated all the time, but it's good to be recognized, they didn't get that. And so when we started planning hey, when do we get back in church? When do we get back in church? We thought, what better way to recognize our seniors? You know, they didn't get their traditional graduation um, that they, they, they hoped for, that they wanted to be recognized for. And so today, we want to recognize just our seniors. So, I just want to give them their names. You tell me to put my mic closer. I was talking loud. So we have here is we have six seniors. They've come from all walks of life. If you see these two, they look kind of similar. Their whole family looks similar. Um, if, you if you see Mercy sitting right over there, like that's what she's gonna look like one day. But anyways, so we have these seniors and I just wanna recognize them this morning, y'all. And they've been through so much um, just in their time. And even this past year, I haven't even been here for a year on staff yet. And just this past year, um, watching them grow, it's crazy to see how fast someone can, like how much someone can change in a year. Emily, I think about D now, Emily, rededicating your life to Jesus this year. You know, life happens, right, Emily? A lot, a lot goes on in life and, you know, we have to work hard sometimes. But to see you transform over a weekend at D now is just incredible. Rachel, stepping into a job this year. Rachel's our West Hall grad this year. Pray for her. She said deals with people over at West Hall. William and Brock, just, dang, I can't say enough about you guys this past year and the way you've come. Watching William, being able to meet with William over the mornings this past year has just been an incredible, incredible time. Um, where he went from a year ago till now is just, it's insane. And Brock, don't even start with Brock. <laughs> Y'all know Brock. But it was cool, I got to watch him on the basketball floor this year. And just to watch him, even in a basketball season, change into a better teammate and even a dang good basketball player as well. Watch him play some big games for his team and be a big part in our ministry. And then the Smiths. The Smiths, I'm telling y'all, they're like the glue. They hold it together. They hold us all together. They're just, it's an awesome family. Ken and Eden, y'all have done a great job. And so uh, these seniors right here, um, I just think they deserve 
all the recognition in the world for what they've been through. But before, before we celebrate them, I just have a verse I wanna share with y'all and we'll get back to worship. And, but it's a verse that I wanna pray over these guys and girls this morning. It's Philippians 1, 9 and 10 says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. We live in a world where Christianity is not necessarily the norm anymore. And we live in a world where when you leave school and your faith becomes your own, we watch just tons and tons and tons of that generation just be lost and their faith get lost. Um, going to different universities or just getting caught up in life. And so my prayer for them is that that does not happen and that you guys know that you always have a home here at Airline. No matter where life takes you, when you look out and you see these people that they're always gonna welcome you and you have a home here. Whether you've been here for not even a year like me or you've been here your whole life like some of you guys. So on behalf of Airline, congrats to you guys. Can you give them one last hand? I'll pray and we'll go back into worship. God, we love you. Thank you for this morning. God, you're so good. God, it's hard not to get emotional thinking about these past few months and just not being with our people. God, I look around the room this morning, I just see people are so happy to be back and worshiping you with other believers. It's truly a family here, God, and it's so incredible. But God, I, I specifically pray for our seniors right now as they get ready to start this real world. And them starting the real world looks a lot different than any other generation that's gone before them because of everything that's been going on recently. So God, I pray that they'll be salt and light as they step into these next phases of life. Whether it's forestry, whether it's theater, whether it's no college at all. God, I pray that you'll just be with them. God, that you'll give them this assurance that they always have a family here no matter what happens in life. God, I also pray that your spirit will guide them. God, that you'll put people in their place as they move on to this, this next season of life. Um, and that you'll just continue to strengthen them, God, and that your kingdom will expand because of these six seniors here. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. young folks. Great group of, of young champions right there, folks. Let's keep them in our prayers as they go out into this world. Dear folks, I don't know how you feel about being here this morning, but I'm just about, I can't hardly contain myself. Um, for the last eight or ten weeks, we've just been muddling through. We've been recording to an empty room <laughs> and we've just had all kind of stuff and we've missed y'all missed y'all I am so very happy to have everybody back in here and I hope you're if you're as happy as I am to be back in here this morning it's gonna be an incredible time together amen let's continue singing y'all sound good this morning great are you Lord
God, we love you and we thank you for this time together this morning. God, what a special, special day. And I know you still have much in store for us, Lord, to be with our pastor. As he comes to break the bread of life with us this morning, Lord, we just look forward to all you're going to do in this place. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. You believe he's the way, say amen. amen. You believe he's the truth, say amen. amen. You believe he's the life, say amen. Well, you ought to be able to say this with me. Repeat after me. Jesus is, Jesus is the, best thing the best thing 
that has ever happened to me. That ought to affect the way that we live our lives. Listen, I'm just sorry, but i got to have a picture of this. I have looked forward to this day for so long, and I know many of you have too. And they say a picture's worth a thousand words, so I'm just going to have to take one. I want you to know how much we have missed you. I echo what Pastor Mike Welburn said. Uh, you would think I would know what I'm doing here as many times as I've done this. Thank you for your faithfulness to honor the Lord. Thank you for all of your encouragement. Listen, about the dumbest I've ever felt in my life, I have a lot of things to choose from when I say that. It's preaching to a camera. It's awesome to have you in the building for us to worship together. Thank you for your faithfulness to honor the Lord uh, with the tithes and offerings. Thank you for your faithfulness to give sacrificially so that we could improve some of our audio-video equipment. And, you know, the Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And it seems like every week we had problems. And we go live all the time with no problem. Almost every week of recording, we had problems. Well, today is no different. If you have friends that are trying to watch on Facebook or YouTube, it's not working right there. But if you want to text them, that's okay. We are on Sermon.net on our, um, on our live on our church webpage right now. They can join in with us. So what a joy to be together again. So much has happened in the world, has it not? If somebody told you, you ain't going to get to go to church for 14 weeks, you'd say, you must be smoking a left-handed cigarette. There's no way that's ever going to happen. We have dealt with the pandemic. We have dealt with sickness. We have dealt with death. Our families had three funerals. We have dealt with um, heartaches. So many people, I know friends of mine to this day still have gotten no kind of assistance from the government, no kind of paycheck. Their savings has run out, and they're hanging on to the hope of the Lord. My wife and I, for the first time in a very long time, went to Kroger shopping last night. Even last night, shelves wiped out of paper products and different things. They had plenty of beef. I went and looked at it, I found out why they had plenty of beef. It was like $9.99 a pound for uh, ground beef, not ground beef, but um, uh, what do you call that country fried steak, cube steak and stuff like that. So, but you know, as difficult as all of that has been, what our country has been through in the last few weeks makes that pale in comparison. I've never seen the level of heartache, the level of animosity. People are more stressed out than, than they've ever been. I mean, what human being was not horrified and heartbroken when we saw the video of George Floyd for, what, eight minutes while that murderous police officer had his knee on his neck? Anybody with the pulse and a heartbeat, that had to horrify you that that has taken place. And you and I know it's not the first time that something like that has happened. It has happened, I mean, one time is too many. And then as we've watched, as we've stared in shock, as our, our monuments in D.C. and across the country have been defaced, and as different things like that have happened, windows of minority store owners have been smashed out and they've been robbed of everything they had in there. Listen, we have the right, according to our Constitution, for peaceful protest. There's a difference between a peaceful protest and rioting and looting. And that is not a racial statement by any stretch of the imagination, because unless you're blind and you haven't been watching, there are people of all kind of skin pigments out there doing that. I think the devil saw an opportunity. There's a horrific problem in our country, and the devil has seen an opportunity to further divide us along racial lines. And listen, I don't even like the word racial, because there's only one race, and that is the human race. Amen? If you believe the Word of God, you got to believe that. Did we all descend from Adam and Eve or not? And if you want to fast forward, do we all descend from Noah and Mrs. Noah or not? So look around the building. We're kin. We're kin to one another. 
And I've said for some time, one of my heart's desires is that our church would look more like heaven. Now, it's heavenly to me to see you in here today. I agree with Alan Berry, who said, it's good to see us spread out. Now, our goal is to fill in all the empty blanks, to fill in the empty pews. But if you look around, a lot of us look like one another. The church ought to reflect. We live in a very diverse community here in Hall County, and I pray for the day that our church will reflect that. Were you horrified to see the 77-year-old retired police captain David Dorn gunned down over some television sets? People are desperately searching for hope in America today, and we've got the answers, amen? We've got the answers in the Word of God. But when 86% of people in our own state are not in church anywhere on any given Sunday, People don't know where to go. They turn to a bottle, a pill, or a cheap thrill, or they turn to rage and acting out on that. We've got the answers. I, somebody, a friend of mine who lives in New York City said, Mike, how do we make things different? Listen, there's no human remedy for sin. It's the gospel, the gospel above all. This is what unites us. This is what lets us know that we are one people created in the image of Almighty God. Too often, most often, the heart of the problem in almost every situation, unless it's a physical or a mental problem, is the heart of the problem is the heart. There's no room for racism in the family of God. There's no room to look down on anybody because of the pigment of their skin, the amount of money in their bank account, or how they dress. There's no room for any of that in the family of God. So within the providence of God, as we've gone through this book of Philippians, we're in chapter number four today, our theme has been to choose joy. If there's ever been a time that we've got to choose joy, because that's a choice. I'm telling you, if you're like me, and you'd, I've, I've unplugged a lot from the news. I fell into the trap, and I've watched it, and I've allowed it to rob my joy for a few minutes. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I preach choose joy, but I'm just like you, or I put my britches on just like you do, and I've got to choose joy even in the face of the most horrific situation we can imagine. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus, there is no peace. John 10, 10 in the message paraphrase says, the thief, and that's the devil, is only there to steal and kill and destroy. But here's the answer. Here's the gospel. Jesus said, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. So we can't flip a switch to end the pandemic. We can't flip a switch to end racial prejudice and hatred, but one heart at a time we can. One heart and soul at a time. You can be the change, as our friend Bo Hairston reminded us, a group of us men who gathered yesterday. We've got to be the change, and we've got it. So why do we sit on the sidelines? As we've been going through this book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul, he knew about difficult times. We live in perilous times. The Apostle Paul, writing to young Timothy, said perilous times will come. If you don't believe we're living in it right now, I don't know what planet you're living in. We're living in perilous times. He says in the last days, perilous times will come. I believe we're living in the last days. But the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to encourage us at least 16 different times to choose joy. But he wasn't writing from a cruise ship, okay? He was writing from a jail cell in AD 61 to encourage the church at Philippi and by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to encourage us to choose joy. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4. By the way, lest I forget, you do not want to miss next week. You do not want to miss next week. I hope we have to put people in the choir loft to social distance them. I mean, let's just talk about the obvious, okay? We've got to address the situation in the world today, amen? I am a 50-something-year-old Caucasian male. 
I cannot understand what a lot of my brothers and sisters have had to live with. I've tried to listen intentionally more this week. I've tried to ask questions. I can tell you what the Bible says, but I wanted somebody that believes the Word of God like I do and like you do to come and share with you who has lived with that prejudice and still at times is living with that prejudice. His name is Algernon Tennyson. He'll be here next Sunday to preach on gospel-centered unity. Many of you know Algernon. He's a favorite of some of our Truett McConnell students. I'm so excited that Algernon will be here with us. You know, I told you earlier, not everybody's gotten the assistance from the government, not, because this is nobody's fault, right? It's nobody's fault that the world had to shut down, so it's only right that the government help people. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and a full-time vocational evangelist, Algernon Tennyson has had almost zero income since the whole thing started. He follows financial principles of, of the scriptures, and so they had four months of savings used up, and it's all gone. Why are you telling me this, preacher? Because we want to bless him. We want to come next Sunday prepared to bless this brother who's called. And listen, I can because I've been in those shoes, never unemployed like this, but I've been a vocational evangelist twice. Had I been one right now, we'd have already been bankrupt by now. So we're going to come and be blessed by the Word of God, and we're going to bless back Algernon Tennyson and invest in his ministry. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Please, I haven't got to say this in a long time. Would you please stand in honor of the reading of the inerrant, infallible, authoritative Word of God? What do those big words mean? Just means ain't no mistakes in it. It's God's Word. It's perfect. <clears throat> Philippians 4.4. 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. What's always mean? It means all the time. 24-7, 365. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. He knows we're slow. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord's coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you above all else. I pray that you would guide in our remaining few moments of time together, Lord, as we're social distanced, as we're, we're having to come in one entrance, we only got one set of restrooms, as our precious children are worshiping with us today. I pray, God, that we would make maximum use of our time and that the Spirit of God would have His way in here. Lord, for those who are struggling with prejudice and hate in their own heart, God, use your word and your Holy Spirit to purge that mess out of here today. Lord, for anybody that's unsure of their relationship with you, as we live in these last days, I pray that today would be their day of salvation, and we'll praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. There were outlines laying on the counter as you came in. I hope you got one, but if you didn't, it'll be on the screens for you here. In this stress-filled word, stress to the max, how do you have peace in perilous times? How do you have peace in perilous times? Write this down, number one. According to Philippians 4.1, God wants us to be consistent in our faith. God wants us to be consistent in our faith. He says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1, referring back to chapter 3, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, he's appealing to those who are in Christ, brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. He's writing to those he's had an opportunity to invest in in the good news of the gospel. He says to stay true. That phrase, to stay true to the Lord, that means to be consistent. The New American Standard Version says, stand firm in the Lord. Listen, I love flip-flops. One of the things that's been difficult, 
so many things have been difficult, is having to put on all your clothes and belts and shoes. I mean, I've been in flip-flops and shorts and everything else. Flip-flops are for the beach and for home. Flip-flops are not for a child of God. We're not to flip and flop in, in our behavior and what we say we believe. He says, be consistent. Why? Because the world has seen enough inconsistent Christians. The world has seen enough professing believers use the Bible to justify their, their hatred and their racism. The world has seen enough of that. We've got to be consistent. What does the world call people that aren't? What do, they, what do they call us when we're not consistent? Hypocrites. We hear that more than anything else, probably. So the reason sometimes our friends, our families, and our co-workers, they have no desire to come to our churches in America because they've seen the inconsistencies in our life when we say one thing and we do another. And as we talked about last week, if you were with us online last week, not in person last week, the Bible talks about the wheat and the tares. And oftentimes, you can't immediately see the difference, but by the fruit that they produce, you'll know. Some folks just flat out need to get saved. I mean, I've, I've met a whole lot of nicer people when I was a drunk in a bar somewhere than a lot of professing believers I know. They're mean as a snake, and they'll cut you in a heartbeat. Why is that? I can't see their heart, but the fruit of their life says they may be a tear. And as a student pastor, for a long, long time, I saw every year students would rededicate their life, and they rededicate their life, and that every single summer, I don't make light of that because some of them needed to. I've had to do that in my own life, have you? But when the problem is when every year on beach retreat, they would do that every year, and there's never any change, some just flat out needed to get saved. Amen? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13 says, Until we all come to such unity— Gospel-centered unity is our theme next week. Such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We expect that from children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. We'll never know real peace in perilous times or any other time until our life is anchored in the Word of God. When you're sure of your salvation and you have a daily steady diet of the Word of God. Because here's the reality we've learned, especially the last three months, life's like a roller coaster, amen? I mean, it picks you up and lets you down. We never know what's gonna, what the new day is going to hold. So if I live by my emotions and I live by the news, I'd get whiplash from all the up and down. But when we anchor our life in the Word of God and we live a consistent faith, is your faith consistent in the twist and turns of life? He wants us to be consistent. Number two, write this down. God wants us to live in harmony with others. Now listen, within the providence of God, I wish I could tell you I was smart enough to plan that this is where we'd be today, but I'm not. You know, we had my, my father-in-law went to be with the Lord, and so we were out for a week, and Pastor Chase filled in on Mother's Day, and it altered our schedule, so that within the providence of God, here we are today. In the most perilous time in our country's history, one of, I, it's in my lifetime certainly, here we are when he says, live in harmony with other people. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2. Now, I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche. Anybody here named that? Is that your name? I hope, hope not. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. In verse 5, let everybody see that you're considerate in all you do. Listen, Paul didn't know anything about being politically correct. The sisters had a problem, and he just dadgum called them out. Can you imagine? I mean, these letters were written to be read out loud to the church. Can you just picture them? Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no, he didn't do that. He, he called them out in the church. And because of their fleshly desires, we don't know what the difficulty was. We don't know why they couldn't come together in unity. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about these women. We ought to live in unity with one another. To live above with saints we love, oh, that would be glory. It's glory to be together today. To live below with saints we know, now that's another story. Sometimes we can say that, amen? 
Whatever those ladies were arguing about, was it worth them forfeiting their joy? Was it worth them being called out in the Word of God and we're still talking about it 2,000 years later? Would you want one of our staff members to come up and read out your name because of some disagreement or some backbiting or backstabbing or whatever it is? I sure don't want to. Literally, in the Greek language there, Paul was asking these two ladies. The original language says, think the same thing. Think the same thing. Now listen, unity doesn't mean we agree on everything, but we're united around the inerrant, infallible Word of God. Again, that just means it's God-breathed. There's no mistakes in the Word of God. So Paul asked for intervention. It was bad enough. He says, y'all got to fix this. It ain't about you. It's not about what you want. Y'all have got to fix this. And then he says, let everyone see. Let everyone see. When somebody is going off the track and somebody's sinning, what do you do? Well, I'm so glad you asked. The Bible tells us what to do in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 15. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. There's the design because we're all sinners, amen, and one sinner plus one sinner is double trouble, and none of us live a perfect life. I was talking to Miss Janice before church this morning. Sometimes, and I know because I was there before I got saved and before God called me to the ministry, we kind of looked at people in ministry differently, and we ought to, to whom much is given, much is required. But listen, we're not perfect either. None of us are perfect. I, listen, somebody in love had to call me out this week, and they were 100% correct in doing so. They didn't call me out publicly. I just got a text and said, Pastor Mike, I don't think you meant to come across that way. They knew my heart well enough to know I didn't mean to come across that way, but it did. I ought to be ashamed, I'm just going to tell you, just so you know how imperfect I am. As We planned to go to bed early that night when they burned the church, St. John's Church, the historic church there. And so I made the mistake, the sinful mistake, of turning to Twitter, and I said, somebody stop these animals before they burn down the church or let the fire, something along those lines. Well, she said, that can be misconstrued. Somebody thinks you're talking about a race. I wasn't talking about a race. But the bigger sin that I committed was I referred to any human being as an animal because every one of us are created in the image of holy God. Called me out in love, and I deserve to be called out in love. She did it the right way according to Scripture. So we'll never know the peace that God gives. We'll never know the joy that God gives until we go the extra mile to bring unity in the family of God. Number three, write this down. <clears throat> God wants us to faithfully serve Christ together. God wants us to faithfully serve Christ together. Look at verse 3. Paul says, I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They were a part of ministry. And he says, I need them to fix this because they're valuable in the kingdom of God. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. What's the point? Every believer has a role to play. It's been difficult. We've been separated. We've been apart. Now we're coming back together. Every believer has a role to play. Listen, if you think that I'm behind the sermons that took place online, you are sadly mistaken. The best I could do is stand in my yard and holler. You don't see the people behind the scenes who work so hard, I mean hours and hours and hours every week to make this happen so that somebody who's tech, tech, 
techno-illiterate like me can just stand up here and preach the Word of God. It's people using their gifts and abilities for the Lord. God gave all of us spiritual gifts. At the moment of your salvation, He gave you spiritual gifts. Those are building blocks for ministry. I don't have time to preach on spiritual gifts today, but I'll give you a website. Go to gifts.churchgrowth.org. I think we've got it here on the screen. It's a simple little questionnaire to help you understand what your spiritual gifts are. Because God didn't mean for you just to sit and watch. God wants you to be a part of serving in the family of God. Now, I know some of you, all, we, a lot of us like hymns, and we learn our theology in hymns. But for some Baptists, I know their favorite hymn. You might even say the Baptist national anthem is, I shall not be moved. Bless God. You bless me if you can better than you have tried. No, God wants us to be a part of ministry and work together for the kingdom of God. It's our purpose at Airline Baptist Church. We exist to connect people with God and one another, to grow together in our walk with the Lord. That's discipleship. To serve God by serving others. That's ministry and service. And ultimately to honor God with our lives. That's worship. There's no greater joy. No greater joy than serving the Lord the way that he has gifted you to serve him. Maybe you lack peace because you've got your eyes on your circumstances. We can all do that. I was going to give you an anonymous illustration this morning, and I saw the lady, and she said, well, I just shared it with all the first impressions. See, might as well tell everybody else. Miss Janice was honest enough. Now, all of us have been stressed. If you haven't, can I please talk to you and tell me how none of this has stressed you out at some time or another? Miss Janice, I think you said one of the first times you went in Kroger, she said just fear overwhelmed her. And I think you told me you started to cry. I mean, she was just gripped with that fear like a panic attack. But there were people there working in Kroger. So Janice said, I just started to pray, and I started to engage the people that were there having to work with all of us coming in and out. She said, instantly, when I took the focus off myself and onto other people, God just flooded her with peace. That's God's economy. You can't outgive God when you give to other people. But sitting and soaking leads to souring. God wants us to serve him. Number four, write this down. God wants us to choose to rejoice in every situation. It's a choice. God wants us to choose to rejoice in every situation. In Philippians 2.18, he said, yes, you should rejoice, and I'll share your joy. Philippians 3.1, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4.1, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now remember, he wasn't writing this from a tropical coastline somewhere. He was writing this from a jail cell. Here's what I've learned. When the praises go up, the blessings come down. Amen. When we get our attention on the Lord and on other people, the praises go up, the blessings will come down. Joy comes from knowing that you're saved and you're secure in the family of God and you're walking in peace and obedience with Him. Joy comes from knowing that. In Psalm chapter 40, in verse number 2, the psalmist says, He lifted me up out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. If you're a child of God, that's what he did for you, just like he did for me. He set my feet on solid ground, and he steadied me as I walked along. He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he's done and be amazed. They'll put their trust in the Lord. Everybody needs Jesus, so I got to rejoice in all circumstances. I, can't, I don't have time to get down in the dumps and gripe and complain because eternity is at stake. And when people see me like that, wallowing in misery, they don't want anything that I have to say about the Lord because I'm not living it out in front of them. Number five, write this down. God wants us to live in anticipation of Jesus' imminent return. What does imminent mean? I believe it's soon. I believe we're in the fourth quarter. I believe God's given us the two-minute warning. He's about to blow the whistle. I believe the Lord's coming back soon. He says that in verse 5. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Some of you can remember when Dottie Rambo used to, I think she might have written this. She says, the skies shall unfold, preparing his entrance. 
The stars will applaud him with thunders of praise. The sweet light in his eyes will enhance those awaiting, and we shall behold him then face to face. All the worries and heartaches will be over when we behold him then face to face. If Jesus is coming back, how should I live my life today? I should want to be found faithful even today. Now, I've been doing this long enough to know anytime you talk about the rapture and end times, their people, their heart starts to race and their palms get all sweaty. You know how I know that? Because that used to be me. When I'd hear this, I knew in my heart, I didn't have the peace of God. I knew in my heart, if the rapture, that literally means a snatching away of born-again believers that's going to happen before the Lord's return, I was going to be left behind. I was going to be part of that seven years of hell on earth known as the tribulation period. So if you don't know Jesus, it ought to upset you. But the good news is we can do something about that today. Number six, write this down. God wants us to pray instead of worrying. God wants us to pray instead of worrying. Don't worry about anything, Philippians 4, 6. It's been said that worry is like a rocking chair. It'll keep you busy, but ain't taking you nowhere. You just keep moving, but you're not getting anywhere with that. Worry says, now God, I believe you know everything, but in this situation, you're not in control, so I got to worry about it. Worrying is a lack of trust in holy God. Worry is a lack of trust in the sovereignty of God. He wants us to pray about everything. Philippians 4, 6, instead, pray about everything you need. Tell God what you need. Have an attitude of gratitude in our praying. Because the next part of the verse says, and thank him for all he has done. Prayer and thanksgiving ought to be inseparable. Because I can't pray if Jesus didn't save my sorry behind. I can't even approach the throne of grace if he didn't lift me up out of that miry clay. So I got to praise him for my salvation. I got to praise him for adopting me into his family. I got to praise him that he says all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I got to praise him. We survived this pandemic. It's not over yet. I get that. We're still being careful. But so far, my family has survived that. Only two people in our church family have been afflicted with that that I know of, and both of them are doing well today. And now we have so much to be thankful for. I love that old song that says, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Amen. You think you got a lot to complain about? Start to count your blessings. You say, well, preacher, I don't have a paycheck. Preacher, I don't have the, the food in the pantry is running out. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you were called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly, and you will keep singing as the days go by. That last verse says, so amid the conflict, whether great or small, it's great right now. Do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you till your journey's end. Do we have stuff to be thankful about, y'all? Amen? Hey, just give me one word, something you're thankful for. Let's have a, a praise session right here. One word, something you're thankful for. That was a bunch. I didn't understand not a one of them, but the Lord did. Grandchildren. Grandchildren. By faith, I'm going to say amen, all right? That's all I'm going to say about that. What y'all say? Family, newlyweds on the front row, they got a lot to be thankful for, amen. I'm thankful when I saw my sweet sister, Miss Donna Lee, walk in this morning, just in the ER the other night, and here she is worshiping the Lord today. Somebody else? Help, praise God for our help. We were able to get up and get here on our own today. Anyone else? Airline Church, praise God for Airline Baptist Church. I picked up a young man yesterday, Rick Little. God put something on Rick Little's heart to host a roundtable of people to talk about unity and justice and love. And I picked up a young man that I used to be his pastor. He's 20 years old, African-American young man. He said, what, what, what's different about airline? And I said, 
Jalen, all I can tell you is the most loving place I've ever been. Hardest thing we're going to ever do is walk in this building and not hug each other like we couldn't do this morning. Uh, Chip sent a text earlier to some of us, and he was spot on the money. The most loving thing we can do today is not hug each other. He's right about that. I almost shook a guest hand. I, I stopped myself. You know what I did? I almost shook your hand, brother. But I don't want somebody else who's high risk or elderly to look at their preacher hugging and shaking hands with everybody else and then be afraid of me. So I think it's, that's the most loving thing we can do for now. Well, number seven, I got a roll. God wants us to allow his peace to permeate our lives. This is the last point. God wants us to allow his peace to permeate our lives. Don't just know about it. Don't just say I believe it, but let it permeate my life. Look at verse seven. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When I'm not living in Christ Jesus, when I'm choosing sin over choosing sanctification and holiness, I'm not going to have that peace. But when I obey the Lord, I'll have that peace. So there might be folks who look better than me and dress better than me, folks who have less wrinkles and less gray hair than me, folks who might eat better than me, folks who might drive a nicer car than me, but I'm the most blessed man I know. Because I'm saved and I'm going to heaven with all y'all, ain't nothing you can do about it. Because nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. Peace is God's calm tranquility even in the midst of the storm. The peace of God will overrule the storms of life and the storms of the world. I forgot where I saw this this week, but somebody sent me the difference between God's voice and Satan's voice. God's voice stills me. Satan's voice rushes me. God's voice leads me. Satan's voice pushes me. God's voice reassures me. Satan's voice frightens me. God's voice enlightens me. Satan's voice confuses me. God's voice encourages me. Satan's voice discourages me. You see, it's the opposite of everything. Satan's not original. He can't come up with nothing on his own. He just distorts what God's already done. God's voice comforts me. Satan's voice worries me. God's voice calms me. Satan's voice obsesses me. God's voice convicts me when I sin. Satan's voice condemns me. Peace, peace is a bridge. And if you're going to have safety, picture a big swinging bridge over a, a big valley somewhere, maybe a rushing river underneath. Peace is a bridge. And on the two sides of that bridge, you've got truth and you've got righteousness. You take away either one of those, you are at risk of falling off that bridge and perishing. But it's the truth of God and the righteousness of God. When I live my life in light of the truth of God, and I do my best to live a righteous life, that just means to be right before a holy God, that's the only way I'm going to have the peace of God in my life. Look at your conclusion, number one. Are you experiencing that peace today? Are you experiencing the peace that only God can give? Now listen, I, I, when things are going great, that's easy, right? Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote years ago, life is easy when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But things change when you're down in the valley. And they say, don't lose faith for you're never alone. Why? Because the God of the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make them right. And the God of the good times is still God in the bad times. The God of the day is still God in the night. We have peace even in the midst of the storms. Number two, Let's be personal here. Are you living in peace with all people? No matter what they look like, no matter how they talk, are you living in peace with all people? Or do you have unresolved conflict? Matthew 18 tells us how to fix that. Number three, you will never know the peace of God until you have peace 
with God. Does that make sense? You can't know the peace of God if you're not a child of God because his gifts are for his children. And it's really a blessing if you're not a Christian. It's not a blessing if you're not a Christian. Let me finish my statement. It's a blessing that you don't have peace because it shows you there's a problem. And it shows you that I've got to fix this. And you can try everything else in the world, but only Jesus satisfies. Only Jesus fills that hole, that void in our heart. Are you living in peace with all people or do you have unresolved conflict? Number three, you'll never know the peace of God until you got peace with God. So do you know him? Do you know him? If you died in the midst of this pandemic, would you be absent from your body and present with the Lord? Well, you can know that according to 1 John 5, 13. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. That's the problem. That's why there's no peace. God sent Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to suffer and bleed and die for an idiot jerkwad like me on an old rugged cross so that I could know God and have a relationship with Him and have peace with Him. They laid Him in a borrowed tomb, and three days later He came back to life. And we've experienced the fact this morning He's alive and well today. And He's roaming around seeking whom He may save. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. While Satan is a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour, Jesus is seeking to save that which was lost. If you don't know him, you've come to the right place. If you're watching online today, you've come to the right place. Jesus wants to give you that peace. And then if we've got that peace, we're not, we're not supposed to hoard that. The reason there's no toilet paper and paper towels in the grocery store last night, folks are hoarding it. Thankfully, we didn't need any. People are hoarding it. The worst thing you can hoard, worse than toilet paper and chicken and beef, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if he has saved us, we got to share that gospel peace with other people. Amen? So if you know him, you got to share that with others. We're going to have a time of prayer together. And just to honor everybody's safety, here's what we're going to do. If you need to slip out, it's been a long, longer service than we planned for it to be. I get that. If you need to slip out, we understand that. But it's been a long time since we've been able to pray at this altar together. Our staff, we're not going to greet you right now because I'm about deaf and I got to put my, my ear right up on your mouth to hear and you don't want me breathing on you and vice versa. This is just a prayer time. Our staff will be available afterwards. If you want to join Airline Baptist Church, you're a child of God, you know you're saved and you want to unite with us, come and see one of our staff members. Pastor Andrew will be right over here at our next step station to talk to you about that. You just want somebody to pray with you. Our staff and our people will be available to pray with you. If you're here for the very first time as a guest, my wife and I will be right back here. We've got a gift we'd like to give you. We'll keep our distance. We'll kind of give you the gift, but we're available for you. But right now, can we just pray? Social distancing at the altar. Pastor Mike's going to lead us, and the praise team's going to lead us, and we're just going to have a time of prayer. Pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd save the soul closest to eternity separated from you. Thank you that your peace is available to whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Thank you, we can't earn it, and therefore we cannot lose it. Can't lose our salvation, but God, you've taught me experientially by my own sin that I can forfeit that peace. Not my relationship with you, but that peace when I don't live like you've told me to live. So help us as children of the Most High God, who will spend all of eternity together to demonstrate your love, to demonstrate your peace. Lord, for those who have a spiritual commitment to make, give them the liberty even today, this morning, in this place, to do that. And we'll give you all glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. You can pray right where you are. I get that. I'm just old-fashioned. It's just something about an altar. If you want to come and pray, we'd be glad to talk to you afterwards. If you're still in the altar after our invitation ends, we'll encourage people to come and check with one another and see what we can do to help each other. All right? Let's worship. Are you hurting and broken within? Oh, 
you guys you can be seated really quick I'm excited man it was it was it was great to be back in the house worshiping was it not I feel like listen we've been gone for a long time but I feel like we didn't get miss a beat at all did we know I mean you know um, everybody it was it was so great just to see each and every one of us not being idle during this time when it would have been so easy just to lock ourselves up in our home and hoard our joy and, and hoard material possessions and just stay in our bunkers or, or whatever, but, but we weren't idle. We were still doing ministry, and now we're just bringing ministry back here onto the hill. But listen, we are so glad that you came. Um, it's been an awesome time for me. I know I'm not trying to ramble, but I got married over quarantine, so that was pretty cool. So, but, but, but yeah, so that was great. Um, but, but listen, we're so glad that, that you're, you're here. We're so glad that you worship with us today. Listen, if you need to slip out really quick, if you feel, I'm not going to call anybody out, you're at risk or, or whatever, you need to slip out, you can go ahead. But just a few quick announcements, and I'm going to uh, close. We're going to take our offering up at the end as you leave. So we'll have uh, men back there with the offering plates waiting at the door to collect your offering. So that'll be happening. You can also give online or by texting. That information is is on the screen as well. So that's going to happen as we're, as we're leaving. But listen, next Sunday, 
my brother Algernon Tennyson is coming to speak here. He is awesome. I've had the privilege of, of hearing him in person a few times. I, I worked with him uh, a little bit over Christmas break. He's great. He, he really, the message that he brings. Now listen, you better bring your seatbelts and buckle up and be prepared to, to sit here for a little bit possibly, but he's going to bring it, I promise you. In fact, because I love my brother Algernon so much, next Sunday, bring a friend with you and the first person to come find me, I will buy you and your friend a T-shirt back at Algernon's merchandise booth, all right? So again, come find me next Sunday with you and your guest, and we're going to go back there. I'm going to buy you guys both a T-shirt from his merchandise table, okay? So first person, come find me that Sunday. Uh, we're going to do that. So you don't want to miss that. A great time talking about gospel-centered unity. Um, of course, all our announcements there are in our worship guide. We've got our Zoom life groups meeting at, starting at 8.30 on Sunday morning, so that's there. Um, that's pretty much it, announcements. I don't have anything else. I mean, that's, that's it. All right, so again, our men are, are out back with the offering plate. Again, you can, you can mail, you can drop by your check tomorrow, uh, your tithe and your gifts, or you can, of course, give uh, by texting Airline Baptist to 77977. So, again, let's pray. Let's bless this offering, and again, I'm excited to worship with everybody. And I can't wait for next Sunday. I'm already counting down the days. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for, for loving us, Father, for, for being a, a good, good Father. God, thank you for, for giving us that spirit of worship. God, you, you've given us so much. God, to, to us, you have given much, God, and we just want to, to lift our praises back up to you, God, with our, with our voices. God, we want to commit our lives to you, God, with our tithes and our love gifts and our offerings unto you, God, because the world is crazy. God, and we, for some reason we act like that's surprising. God, that, that, that there's chaos in a sinful world. We, we, we act like uh, it shouldn't be that way, but in reality you've given us your book, and in that we know that sinful people do sinful things. God, people apart from you will sin. Father, but you've called us, you've called us out of that, God, and we're to go out into a sinful world and be lights for you. God, we're to go off this hill and be witnesses, be ambassadors for you, Father, not to lock ourselves up and, and hide away as the, as the world goes to pot, Father, but to, to be a light shining in the darkness because when we were at our darkest, you saved us. Let us always remember it and let that be at the forefront of our minds as we go out this week and be lights for you. Bless the tithe, bless the offering that we're going to take up. Father, again, let it go out and have an impact for your kingdom. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, as you go out, you can drop those connect cards as well in the offering plate. Again, we want to get a record of you being here. Thanks so much for coming. We're going to see you next Sunday. I'm excited already. <laughs>